0: God, thank you, Lord, for making us to be brave, brave women, God. You do that. Sometimes when we don't even know you're doing that, you're growing that bravery of faith in us, God. So we just thank you for that tonight, Lord. Even if we don't feel brave, Lord, we thank you that you're creating courage in us to walk with you, to grow with you, God. We love you, Jesus. We're excited about being in your word tonight, God. I just pray, Lord, that you would bring it, Lord. You're the only one who can speak into the disasters we have, God. You're the only one, Lord. You're the only one who has a word of life. You're the only one who has that that word that we need to just keep going, God, and to believe that you're real and that you're true and that you're faithful and that you are the best choice for our life. And so, God, I pray that you would minister to every woman who's here in this place tonight in just the way she needs it with your powerful word, Lord, as we learn more how to just plant our footsteps and what you say in this book of dreams that you've given us, Lord. And we thank you for that, Lord. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Ladies, you can have a seat. Thank you for being here tonight and participating. You know, it takes a brave woman... To grow through life with a growth that comes from God. Because anybody, anybody can grow naturally, but it really takes a brave woman to let God write your story. Now, that might make you think, hmm, you know, I'm not so sure about that because doesn't God love me? And, and isn't God there to protect me? And isn't God there to like meet all the desires of my heart? Well, yes, God is all of those things. However, you know what? Letting God write your story requires that you give him the pen and you allow him to write paragraphs, and you allow him to write pages, and sometimes even chapters, maybe long chapters, that you would have never chosen to write yourself. From what I read in the Word of God, and from what I see in my own life, and in talking to many people throughout many years of ministry, I can tell you this, when God grows your life, When God writes your story, it's going to be a God-sized story, and it's going to be a good story, but it's not going to be a safe or an easy story. And so we need God to help us to lean into him to be brave, because he's the only one that can really give us the courage we need to grow with a growth that comes from him. And you know what? Praise God. He is more than able to do just that, right? How many of you have ever seen the Chronicles of Narnia before? Seen the movie or read the book? Okay. I love it. I love it. One time we put up a, a, a sheet on our, our garage door and put a fire pit out there and some chairs and had a projector and we watched it in the neighborhood and neighbors came by and they joined us. It was, it was really fun. But you know, that doesn't mean anything, but I just wanted to tell you that. So anyway, um, but this in this story, there's this little girl, right? And her name is Lucy. And she has this conversation one time with Mr. Beaver. And she's asking Mr. Beaver about the great king, lion Aslan, who really is a picture of Jesus. And this is what she says. She says, is he quite safe? Because I shall feel rather nervous about meeting a lion. And Mr. Beaver says, if there's anyone who can appear before Aslan without their knees knocking, then they're, just, um, then they're braver than most or else just silly. And she looked at him and she said, then he isn't safe, because she was really afraid. And he said, safe? Who said anything about being safe? Of course he isn't safe, but he's good. You know what, ladies? Last night we began to look into the story of Joseph in God's Word, and we began to look at our own stories, too. And we talked about God's dreams that he has for our stories, not our dreams, But God's dreams that he wants to write into them, his specific dreams for us that he speaks over our lives. And I loved reading some of those, you know, that you put up on the storyboard, just beautiful to just see the different ways that God speaks to people. And and then also we talked about the dreams that he has all over this word for all of us. This is a book of God dreaming over his children of what life can be like if we will walk with him. And we wrote those dreams down on those bookmarks that we gave you and those cloths that we gave you. I I know we asked already, but just want to make sure, does anybody not have a bookmark? If you weren't here last night or if you forgot yours, um, anybody, because we'll get you one right now. Okay, good. We're We're all set. So, you know what? Just like you and I, in our stories... We don't, we don't welcome disaster into our stories, right? We, we think of these dreams that God has spoken of our lives, and, and if you're like me, you can lay in bed and you can imagine all the ways all oh, that's going to come just true, right? <laughs> and, and you've got it all planned out in your mind. You're not thinking about, oh, I guess I should write some dramatic disaster into this because that would make a better story. We don't, we don't think like that. Well, you know what? Joseph wasn't thinking like that either. He wasn't thinking like that either, but if he was going to grow with a growth that comes from God, he was going to have to be brave through the disasters in his life. Joseph was going to find out the same thing that little Lucy found out that God is not safe, but God is good. And if Joseph would be brave and if he would lean into the goodness of God, then God was going to write an amazing story. And tonight we have the opportunity to find out the same. And so we're going to get our Bibles open to Genesis chapter 37 again. We were there last night. And if you weren't here last night, hopefully you've been reading in Genesis before you came. If not, I think you'll pick up real quickly with us as as we talked about dreams and the dreams that God spoke over Joseph last night. And then we're going to pick up in verse 18 of chapter 37. 37. And we're going to find that Joseph's father has sent him out to find his brothers who are uh, pasturing in, flo- in, the, in the field. And these are brothers that are very jealous of him. So starting in verse 18, it says, when they saw him from a distance and before he came close to them, they plotted against him to put him to death. And they said to one another, here comes this dreamer. Now then, come and let us kill him and throw him into one of the pits, and we will say, a wild beast devoured him. Then let us see what will become of his dreams. Can you just like feel the that raucous feel amongst those ten... Guys, as they're sitting there and as one after another begins to talk, you know, this, these feelings of jealousy and bitterness that have been in their heart are rising up. It's kind of like this mob thought process is, is beginning to happen, this tone is, as they're speaking to one another. But Reuben, it says in verse 29, now Reuben was the firstborn. He heard this and he rescued him out of their hands and said, Let us not take his life. Reuben further said to them, Shed no blood. Throw him into this pit that's in the wilderness, but do not lay hands on him that he might rescue him out of their hands to restore him to his father. So it came about when Joseph reached his brothers that they stripped Joseph of his tunic, the varied colored tunic that was on him. We talked about that a lot last night, right? And they took him and they threw him into the pit. Now the pit was empty without any water in it. Make sure you remember that for later. It says, then they sat down to eat a meal. You know, I guarantee you that Joseph... Was not planning on that kind of chapter being in his story on that day. I mean, he probably was aware, probably picked on the fact upon the fact that his brothers didn't really like him, but plotting to kill him, and, and actually following through with that. See, I can just imagine what might have been going on in his heart in his mind. maybe shock, denial, anger, hurt, fear. Have you ever had some kind of disaster just hit you out of nowhere? And maybe come at you from people who you thought loved you, or at least you thought they're supposed to love you, even even if they don't really act like it all the time, you thought deep down that they did, and, and yet this is coming at you from them? And it threatens every dream that you believe that God has spoken over your life? No question about it, this was Joseph's worst day ever. And I imagine that his body was bruised and and maybe torn some. Maybe he had a broken ankle or an arm. I mean, even though Reuben said, you know, don't touch him. I mean, to rip his coat off, they laid his hands on him to do that and to throw him in a pit. But even more than the bruises or a broken ankle or whatever, don't you know that his heart was just pierced as he looked into his brother's eyes and he saw the evil coming at him. And it wasn't just in their eyes. It was in their fists. And it was in their hands, and it was in their words as they all came against him at one time. I mean, it's bad enough when one person that you think loves you comes at you, right? All ten of them at one time. Just stop for a moment. See, we read through this quick, and and we go, oh, yeah, I've read that. I saw that on the flannel graph when I was a little kid, and I know the story. Come on, give me some good stuff. we got to stop and take this in. I've been meditating on this for months, what that would feel like. To be in that situation and then he lands in the pit and he's down there and his brothers just start eating their meal hey what you got in your lunch box and he's down there you know sometimes the hardest moments in a disaster come in the moments after when you realize that life hasn't stopped because you're hurting that that people are still going to sleep they're still going to work they're still sitting down and having a good meal, going out to dinner together, and, and you're, you're in a pit dying. In fact, sometimes it's the very people who have, have done that to you, and, and they're just moving on, just eating their meal, and you're in the pit. They don't have a thought about you at all. Now, Joseph was a dreamer. We did talk about that a little bit last night. So I tend to believe that even in the midst of, of being down there, that probably there was little sparks of hope. You know, and, and don't you do that, too? Like when you finally get settled down to, oh, my goodness, what just happened here? You, you start trying to think in your mind how, how, how we're going to get out of this. And so he's probably thinking, you know, oh, okay. Man, they just got really angry. It just kind of overtook them. Once they realized what they've done, one, they were just really hungry. Once they eat, they're going to they're gonna realize what they've done. They're going to realize how much, you know, they're, they're going to have to answer to dad. They're going to pull me up out of here. One of them's going to speak up for me. Don't you know when you're just trying to survive that you've got those little sparks of hope going on for you? But keep reading with me because that was only disaster number one, ladies, We're getting ready to see disaster number two. Starting in verse 25, it says, Then they sat down to eat a meal, and as they raised their eyes and looked, behold, a caravan of Ishmaelites was coming from Gilead with their camels, bearing aromatic gum and balm and myrrh on their way to bring them down to Egypt. And Judah said to his brothers, What profit is it for us to kill our brother and cover up his blood? Now remember, Judah's the one in chapter 38 that we talked about last night that decided to not listen to the dreams, okay? And, and you'll see that in chapter 38. And so here he is. I wonder if some of that comes from the guilt from this, okay? So he says, Judas said to his brothers, what profit is it for us to kill our brother and cover up his blood? Come and let us sell him to the Ishmaelites and not lay our hands on him. For he is our brother, our own flesh, and his brothers listened to him. Then some Midianite traders passed by. So they pulled him up and lifted Joseph up out of the pit. And they sold him to the Ishmaelites for 20 shekels of silver. Thus they brought Joseph to Egypt. You know, any hope that Joseph had in the power of family died as he overheard this conversation start amongst his brothers. Maybe he wished they would have killed him because their actions were killing Every dream he ever had known, every good thing he had ever known, every colorful stripe of favor that he had been wearing from his father, it was all gone. They were killing it all. And not only that, they were going to seek a profit from what they got. It wasn't enough that they had done it to him. They wanted to get paid for it. Oh, my goodness. You know, on this most horrific day, Joseph went from favored son to a worthless slave, or did he? <laughs> Disaster, unimaginable, had shown up in the pages of his story. Who put it there? Who really wrote that into his story? You know, his brothers are going to tell the story one way. Keep reading with me in verse 29. It says, Now Reuben returned to the pit, and behold, Joseph wasn't in the pit. So he tore his garments. Because, see, he knew. He's firstborn. <laughs> He's going to have to answer. And, and, and then he returned to his brothers, and he said, The boy's not there. As for me, where am I to go? So they took Joseph's tunic and slaughtered a male goat and dipped the tunic in the blood. And they sent the very colored tunic and brought it to their father and said, We found this. Please examine it to see whether it is your son's tunic or not. Notice they don't even call him his brother. Then he examined it, and he said, It is my son's tunic. A wild beast has devoured him. Joseph has surely been torn to pieces. See, Joseph's brothers decided to write their own version of the story. They wrote a lie to tell to their father to cover up their sin, or so they thought. But see, Joseph knew the truth. He knew exactly what had happened. The favor he once wore had been ripped away from him. He had been stripped of it, and now it was torn to shreds, but not by an animal like his brothers said, but by his own brothers who were acting like animals on that day. And it was going to be 20-plus years before he would ever see his brothers or his father again. What a disaster day, right, ladies? You know, at this point, we have read about amazing heaven-sized dreams that God has spoken over Joseph's life and two hell-sized disasters, and more is going to come. But before we read on, I want us to stop for a minute for every one of us here in the room and think about our own stories. See, we might not have a, a disaster story like Joseph, but every life story comes face to face with some kind of disaster at some point. You know, earlier tonight, Michelle showed us a video, that potty talk video uh, of just a silly moment, right? That a lot of us can can find ourselves in, hopefully not that, but it's just different things like that that happen to us throughout our day. If you're a mom of little ones, those kind of things, you're like, who writes this stuff, right? You know, I mean, just thinking, oh, this has happen to anybody else. And if we're not careful, we can be a drama queen and turn the littlest thing into a big old disaster. Oh, I've had a horrible day, you know, and it's really just something like that that we just need to laugh at, you know, right, and, and move on. But there's a lot of things that happen in our lives that are not funny, right? And, and many of you know exactly what I'm talking about, disease or death or divorce or rejection. Loss of all different kinds, abuse, infertility, failure, addiction, sin patterns, immorality, broken relationships. I mean, is God really the one writing our stories when, when those kind of things show up in the pages of our life? And, and I hear questions like that rumbling through Joseph's mind as he was on that caravan towards Egypt that took him further and further away from those dreams that God had spoken over him. I know in my own life. About three years ago, within within the span of about six weeks, three disasters um, hit. One hit our family. One hit my husband's job, and therefore our finances also. And one hit this ministry. And and I might not have been shackled on a caravan headed to Egypt, but I can tell you in the days and months that followed, my heart, my mind were reeling. I was crying out to God. I was stomping my feet for him to do something and, and fix it. And and all of these things just rumbling through, just just. Asking God, you know, how does this reconcile with the dreams that you have spoken? Because I knew for sure that he had spoken. And I had been trying to lean into those and then bam, bam, bam. What do you do with that? And see, the biggest question that a lot of times rises to the surface in that is why? Why? Why, God? Why is this happening? And and that why question, it's not just one question. That question grows bigger and bigger and bigger as the ripple effects just head out into all these other places in your life, right? That why question can be huge. Now, in Joseph's story, I've heard a lot of different answers to that question, why. And I want us to talk about those for a minute as we even think about our own stories. Some people teach that Joseph really brought the disaster on himself. That his dreams really had kind of puffed him up, and he flaunted them in front of his brothers, and he knew his brothers didn't like him, which only incited his brothers to hate him even more. And you know, it probably could be true, a little bit of that. And, and the truth of the matter is that a lot of times our immaturity, our own sin nature, we bring our own disasters on ourselves, right? I mean, the video we watched tonight, even Shani and, and Kelly's testimony, I mean, there were other things going on, we'll talk about that in a minute, but you know, a lot of their choices, and I could certainly stand up and tell you some too, we bring it on ourselves. We, a whopping disaster can land into our lives because we're just growing our life in a natural way, not listening to God, doing our own thing. And we could call that disaster by default because every one of us have a default sin nature. And without any intention to grow toward God, that's the way we're going to grow. So that could have been part of this, part of the why answer for for Joseph's story. But see, other people teach that God planned it all with purpose. That God needed to develop Joseph's character to match this high calling of dream that he had on his life. And, And you know what? God does bring painful things in our lives sometimes for a greater good. You might think, really? Look at what he did to his own son for our greater good. God does move in those ways sometimes. And we could call that disaster by design. Okay? God's design works character in our stories for a good purpose, even when we don't understand it. And that kind of makes our warm, fuzzy view of God go, ooh, I don't really like that. Okay? But then others teach that Satan provoked his brothers, and it was all Satan's fault. Because he, he came against or, or toward them with this evil. He put it in their hearts and, and, you know, but God used it for good. Some people teach the answer to that why question that way. And you know what? Satan's influence is very real in this world. That's the reason why sin is present in the world because of his influence and he probably did incite those brothers hatred more and stir it up in their hearts and we could call that disaster by the devil and his demons but praise god we know a greater redeemer right so there's all kinds of answers to the why question of why some of these disasters happen in our lives and and you know honestly you could argue any of those from a biblical perspective pretty well But at the end of the day, here's what I think. I think most disasters are probably a mixture of all three of them, kind of stirred in there together, you know? I don't think you can isolate most disasters into one of those things. And here's the thing about it anyway. Even if you can argue and say, yeah, that's exactly what happened, or this is why this happened in my life, at the end of the day, most disasters still have some why questions that don't get answered this side of heaven. Even though we want them to be answered, right? See, we're like little Lucy, and we want God to be safe, and we want him to be understandable. And when he's not, a lot of times we just want to jerk the pen right out of his hand and say, if that's the kind of story you're going to write, well, thank you very much. I'll write my own. And I'll just lean over here towards this natural growth. And even if you don't think you're leaning towards natural growth, if you're not intentionally leaning into the growth that comes from God, guess what? You're like this, and you don't even know it. You're just leaning away leaning away when I was a little girl we used to sing this song "Eileen, Eileen, I lean I, lean, I, lean, I lean. leaning on the Lord's side do you remember anybody come on somebody that grew up and is almost 50 years old like me okay <laughs> we used to sing that song in Sunday school you know that needs to resonate in our hearts we got to lean into the growth that comes from God because see a lot of our disasters are not going to have that why question answered and I know for many of you sitting in the chairs tonight who maybe you're in smack in the middle of a disaster right now or, or, or once just not in the, you know, it, it's not too far back in your memory. You, you've got those, those why questions. And, and, and if we really want to grow with the growth that comes from God, you know, it's easy to say that when, when things feel good. But how do we do that when our life is landed in a pit? And, and how do you do that when one disaster after another seems to come at you? And when years go by before anything gets fixed. And it appears that God has really forgotten all about your story, like he lost his pen or lost the manuscript or the computer went down or something because, God, you just, like, stopped writing about me. I, I, it seems like you've left me all alone. And I believe that God wants to talk to us about that tonight. And so what I want to ask you to do, even if you're, your mind and heart are reeling tonight with why... I want to ask you just to set that why question aside i thought about bringing a couple blocks one says why and just say can we just set that over here and can we talk about the how can we talk about how how do we grow with the growth that comes from god in the middle of disasters because it's really hard to lean into that growth that comes from god when it feels like god himself is writing pain into the pages of your story or maybe if he's not the one writing it (laughs) that he's allowing it? Or he's certainly not doing anything to fix it, right? So how do you do that? Joseph did it really well. So we wanna look at his example to see how you do that. Because he had some pretty, pretty intense disasters going on. You know, one tool that's really important when you're doing Bible study, and a lot of you Bible study girls out there, you know this. If God repeats something over and over again, it's probably like you as a mom going, "Have I told you 20 times?" You know, he he's saying that cuz he wants us to take notice of it. Well, there's a phrase in Joseph's story that if you read through it, you probably started to pick up on, and the phrase is this that repeats itself over and over again, and God was with Joseph. See, we find that after Joseph was sold and taken to Egypt, he ended up as a slave in the the house of a man named Potiphar, who was really a pretty high-ranking official. If you'll jump over to Genesis chapter 39, we're going to read a little bit about that. It says, now Joseph had been taken down to Egypt, and Potiphar, an Egyptian officer of Pharaoh, the captain of the bodyguard, bought him from the Ishmaelites who had taken him down there. And the Lord was with Joseph. So he became a successful man and he was in the house of his master, the Egyptian. Now his master saw that the Lord was with him and how the Lord caused all that he did to prosper. Now this is just one of the many places in this story that we see this phrase or we understand this dynamic that, wow, God is, God is with him even though these things are going on. See, sometimes disasters and their effects Go on for a really long time. For Joseph, it's going to be 20 plus years. Some of you girls in this room, you haven't even lived that long, okay? For 20 plus years, his disaster lasts. And you know what? Some things, sometimes when we're reading through the Bible, we, we can just kind of jump over some things because we don't get all the details of really 20 years. And, and you could read through this passage and you could think, wow, well, you know, I mean, wow, he had a really bad day that day, and that's awful what his brothers did to him. But, but, you know, it could be a lot worse for Joseph. At least he ended up in the high-ranking official Potiphar's house, and God was with him, and he became successful, and, you know, at least he kind of moved on. And see, so you could even think that as you're, as you're reading through this a little bit, but see, we're not getting the play-by-play of all the things that were going on inside of him we're not thinking through all that he suffered. You know, 20-plus years, I did a little bit of math. I'm not much of a math girl, so I got my phone out and did it on the calculator. Do you know that's over 6,000 nights that he put his head on the pillow? Or there probably wasn't a pillow, okay? And he put his head down. You know, that's when you reconcile things in your heart. That's when you have to deal with life, right? When your head hits the pillow... And, and it's just you and the darkness and God, 6,000 plus nights he did that with nothing changing for him. Do you think about all the times that he saw Potiphar interacting with his own sons and he missed his father? Or maybe he saw some Egyptian brothers walking down the road and slapping each other on the back and laughing together. And, or maybe there was a wedding in the house of Potiphar and families gathered around and His birthday went by and nobody remembered because nobody's there with him. All those things that if you'll just stop for a minute and let this settle in to what that would have felt like. And see, when you go through a disaster, you feel like that disaster's with you. Maybe it does look like you've moved on and things are getting better. You've gone back to work. Maybe, you know, whatever has happened, things look reconciled on the outside. But you know, and I know, when you're walking through a disaster, it sure feels like the disaster's with you. Most of the time, it's right here. And it's talking to you on some level all day long, many times even in your dreams. So it feels like the disaster's with you. And Satan, he tends to get right beside you in a disaster, right, and just yaks away. And he says, oh, you're a failure. Your life's over. It's never going to work out for you now. I told you this is what would happen. Don't even try anymore, right? Yak, yak, yak. Feels like Satan's with you. It doesn't feel like God is with you. But the truth of God's word tells us that he is. And it says this over and over again for Joseph, that God is with him. And that is speaking into our stories too. And it's part of the how, that we realize God is with us and we've got to lean into his presence. You know, when I look through his story, I see so many times that the Lord's presence is mentioned throughout it. And I'm encouraged to know, God doesn't leave us by ourselves. He climbs into the pit with us. Even if he's designed our our disaster for a greater good, if it's completely a disaster by design, God's not going to leave you there by yourself. Now, for Joseph, the Bible mentions all different kinds of ways that he was with him. If you've been reading it, you've seen that, and I'm not going to get into all the details of that. But one I want to mention, a couple I want to mention specifically, is over in uh, chapter 39, verse 21, it says that he extended kindness to him. It says the Lord was with him and extended kindness to him. You know, it's so good when you know the Lord's extending kindness to you. This morning, I asked the Lord something. I was laying in bed and just thinking through things that had happened last night and pondering and praying, and, and I asked the Lord something, and just kind of was laying there and just, just waiting on him to answer me, and, and I got a text from a friend, and it was a scripture, and it was such an answer, and I just thought, God, you're so kind to answer me like that. I wonder what that looked like for Joseph when the Lord extended kindness, to him. We don't get all those details. I wish I knew. You know, um... When he's in Potiphar's house and and when he's in the jailers, uh, later he's going to end up in jail too, and, um, you know, disasters all around, but he ends up getting leadership positions. And don't you know that's God being with him because that is God just kind of nudging him toward that dream more. And a lot of times when God has spoken dreams over our life, he'll do that. He'll just do a little thing to say, I haven't forgotten. It looks like I have, but I'm with you. And I'm working all the things out and I'm moving you toward that dream because, see, the dream that God gave Joseph was leadership. And he made him a leader in Potiphar's house and he made him a leader in the jail. You know, in so many ways, and you can go and read it yourself to see all the ways that God showed his presence to Joseph. He did not protect Joseph from the evil. He did not pick him up off that caravan and put him back in in Canaan and say, Naughty boys, you should have never done that. Let me tell your daddy the truth of what happened. God didn't fix it like that. He allowed it to go on. But you know what? He did show himself to Joseph more and more. And in the process, you know what happened to Joseph? He grew. He grew in a knowledge of who his God was. We're going to talk about this a little bit more in a minute. But, you know, in Egypt... That was a super spiritualized culture. There were thousands of gods. The sun, the moon, and the stars were gods in Egypt. Pharaoh was a god. There were were idol-worshiping temples everywhere you turned. They had thousands of these idols that they worshipped and they believed. It was a super spiritualized culture, super spiritualized culture. You know what? Joseph could have leaned into knowing that kind of God, but, but instead he got to know his God. He got to see how false those other gods were and to see how true and right his own God was as he walked through this disaster and had to lean into the only friend he had. And that was Christ himself. See, a lot of times we want God to fix the disaster. And and really the tone of every time we come to God is, God, just fix it. Just take me out of it. Just make it better. Oh God, heal, heal, heal. I used to get so frustrated when I was a young adult and I was wanting to grow in Christ. and, And I really didn't know how at the time. And I would go to church sometimes and I would sit in these classes and they would have prayer request time. And everybody's prayer request was always just about people getting healed, like, for physical infirmities. And I know that's important. I've dealt with some physical infirmities myself, and I know that's really important. But it was like, I wanted to talk. I didn't even know it at the time, but I would be like, ugh. Because I would think, uh, there's got to be more to talk to about our great God than how bad we feel. Like, and so you, you don't even realize that until he's the only friend you have. But see, see sometimes, ladies, just examine your prayers. Uh, Is all they sound like was God, Fix this! And, all, and you don't get to know him as creator and redeemer and lover of your soul and intimate friend and joy and presence and love and grace. You don't get to know any of that because you're just going, fix it! You know, that's all we know him as. And Joseph had to learn how to get to know God. And that happened in the length of the time that all that went on. See, sometimes God knows it's better for us to just lean into the goodness of who he is and get to know him right in the middle of a disaster to see how much greater he is than the disaster, to see that even while, I mean, the oceans are churning and, and life is horrible, that you can just have this like giddy joy because God showed up and he sent you a text, you know? Or, or, or whatever, you know, that he does to show his kindness to you, that, that you get to know God. But see, we won't do that on our own, ladies. We'll just lean over here. And so God allows these things a lot of times, and in length, he allows them, so we'll press into him. Later on, when this whole story comes to a head, Joseph is going to find himself in front of his brothers, and when that happens, the Bible tells us that he wept so loud that all of Egypt heard of it. See, time doesn't always heal wounds. That is a lie. You might learn how to go on. You might learn how to just do life and put a smile on your face, but time does not heal wounds. The only healer of wounds is the Lord, but sometimes the Lord will allow that wound to stay open so he can show you how good of a minister he is, just his very presence, and that this life is not really what it's all about anyway, but just knowing him and enjoying his presence the Lord can bring joy. His presence can bring joy, even in the midst of a great disaster. And it takes bravery to lean into his presence then. It does. Because you know that he could fix it, but he's not. And so, wow. That, that, how do you kiss the hand that hurts? How do you lean into that? You, you do it because you get to know how good his presence is. And it takes bravery to choose his presence over the presence of other people. And that's where we usually go wrong, ladies. Because a lot of times we want it fixed so bad. So if God won't do it, we'll find somebody who will, right? That's exactly what we'll do. And Joseph had opportunity to do that. He could have tried to manipulate his situation with Potiphar, right? I mean, Potiphar had high ranking status. He could have leaned into that and tried to get some things fixed. Maybe a trip back to Canaan. He could have maybe done that. Who knows? Even in the situation with Potiphar's wife, which is really disaster number three, he could have leaned into a person over God. See, as you read through this, if you read through it ahead of time, you know in chapter 39 that Potiphar's wife, she sees how handsome Joseph is. He was hot, okay? And she's going after him, and she's saying, I'm going to seduce you. I'm just telling you what the Bible says, okay? <laughs> um, I'm going to seduce you, okay? That, that's her intention. You know, Joseph, he he was in the prime of his life as a young man. And he had been denied a lot already. He had no relationships probably, lonely, no family. He could have easily leaned in here. But instead, he was brave enough to lean into God's presence instead. Let's read this in 39, starting in verse 7. It says, It came about after these events that his master's wife looked with desire at Joseph, and she said, Lie with me. But he refused and said to his master's wife, Behold with me here, my master does not concern himself with anything in the house, and he has put all that he owns in my charge. There is no one greater in this house than I, and he has withheld nothing from me except you, because you are his wife. How then could I do this great evil and sin against God? He's saying, I know my position. I could have you if I wanted to, but God is greater than me, and I value his presence more than I value yours. What he says What God says matters more to Joseph than the longings inside of him, because you know they were there. It takes bravery, ladies, to lean into God's presence when everything within you is longing for someone or something that you can feel and touch, because you experience God's presence by faith. But see, when you listen to him and lean into him and to his presence by faith, you're going to begin to see and touch and feel his presence in ways that you you can't even imagine that that you would. He'll start showing up in, in beautiful, expressive ways that literally almost feel like you can touch him. So we lean into his presence with great intentionality in the midst of our disasters. That's part of the how we do it. See, God is creative. He'll show up in your life in so many different ways. It's not going to look just like it did for Joseph. It's not going to look just like it did for your friends or your pastor. We're, we're going to see him. If we'll stop demanding that he fix it and we'll just lean into his presence and let him determine when he's going to fix it, You know, we can call out to him for that. Don't, don't get me wrong. I, I, he is a healer and a deliverer. That's part of who he is, but that's not all of who he is. Just like I'm a mom and I'll fix meals, but I don't want to be asked to fix a meal 30 times a day. I'd like to have some other kind of relationship, you know? And God is much more than than our healer and our redeemer and and the fixer of our problems. There's so much more to him. And so he just wants us to lean in and get to know him. I think about Joseph being in that pit. You know, the Bible tells us, I told you to remember, it said there was no water in that pit. But see, Joseph was going to find out through the presence of the Lord, he was going to find out about the living water. In a pit that was very dry. Because what did Jesus say was better? When he talked to the Samaritan woman, he said, The living water is better. And the living water is his presence. And Joseph would experience living water in a pit that was dry as bones. You know, last year I heard a woman speak and she talked about going through a really hard time in her life. And she likened it to being thrown into a pit. But she, this is what she shared, and this has been such a good visual for me in some things this year. She said, you know what? I was in that pit, but she said, Jesus, just climb right in with me. He leaned his back against the side. He put his feet up on the other side, and he looked at me, and he said, I'm just going to hang out here with you for a while. Is that all right? I love that because that's what he does. She found the living water of Jesus in her pit. It makes me think of a way that God showed me his presence in a very real way, last fall, with some of the disasters that I mentioned earlier. They're still going on. They're they're not fixed either. And and I I think how he climbed into my pit, and he said, "Um, I'm here. I'm just going to hang out here with you. It's kind of a long story, so I'm going to try to give you the shortened version. But three years ago, when one of these disasters uh, struck our family, my neighbor came over one night, and she sat and she talked with me. And she brought this rock, it was about this big, and it was naturally shaped like a heart. And she brought it to me because she said, I believe that God has something that he wants you to do with this rock as you and your family walk through this disaster. Now at the time, my heart was just so raw. It was still in shock, and so I listened to what she said, and I was trying to process, trying to do that, but as she left, I'm just being honest, I set the rock on the counter, and it sat there for a really, really long time, and I would look at it, and I think, I need to do that, you know. Well, finally, one day, uh, last summer, I actually decided um, that that I was going to do this, and so I went to the beach, And I sat by the shore and I took a sharpie marker and that rock and I wrote out all kinds of things all over this heart. And then I I went out into the water and I stood there for a while and I finally just heaved that rock and threw it into the water. And it was symbolic of me letting go of a heart that I couldn't fix. And just letting God cleanse that heart and do it in his own time and take care of it. It was really hard. It was really hard. But it was really good. So here's what's happened. Every time I went to the beach after that, which I'm a beach bum in the summer, at least I try to be, I haven't been there in a while, but I try to go. Last time I went there was flies. It made me so mad. But anyway, I'm like so God knows that too. See, I can turn the littlest things. I can be a drama queen, too. But anyway, so I, I was at the beach. I'd go to the beach, and, and I started getting this idea in my mind. Oh, God, you're so creative. That's what you're going to do? You're going to let that rock wash right up by my feet, and it's going to be all cleansed, and I'm going to pick it up, and I'm going to go, today's the day. You're going to fix this thing. I'm not kidding you. And, and, and I would look for this rock, and I would walk, if you've been to Fort Monroe Beach, you know, it's like a... Sur- and I would walk back and forth, but, and, and I wouldn't let anybody know, but I was looking. I, I really had my eyes steeled for that rock. But I finally realized, Sharon, you're crazy, and you need to let go of that. And you need to let God write this story. So fast forward through that, and last fall, we're... Um, at the Fall Bible Getaway that we host as a ministry. Our first one last fall, is amazing time. I'd love to say come with us this year, but we're already full. This is a picture of the ladies that were with us last year, and we're looking forward in October to going again. Anybody out there that's gonna be with us? Go woo! Yeah, okay, we're excited about it. So if you're interested in going in 2016, we're gonna hopefully have two of those weekends, and you can sign up at a on an information sheet out at the table because we will notify you first when when the registration opens hopefully in January because we'd love for you to come with us, and we're trying to expand that as best we can. But anyway, our team got to the house early, uh, you know, to get things prepared several days early. And one morning, I was up walking, and, and I was like, oh, God, that's it. You're going to bring that rock all the way from Hampton to the Outer Banks. <laughs> and I'm serious, ladies. I mean, this, this disaster, intense in my heart, it's a disaster that's always right here, never leaves me. And, and I, I got crazy with it again, like for two days. I'm, I'm going on my walk, prayer walk in the morning, and I can't think of anything else, but God, where's the rope? I know you're going to bring it. And finally, I just had to say, stop it. You're crazy. Now, the only reason I can tell you guys that story is because I know you're crazy too, and you do crazy things like that, okay? So, yeah, come on, come on. So let all that go the women came we started having this amazing time and god was speaking to a lot of us through the sunrises in fact the, uh, the next picture is a picture of a sunrise that i took one morning while i was walking and several of us were just sharing about sunrises throughout the weekend and just the different pictures that we were taking now only my husband and a couple of friends knew anything uh, about this rock but one morning one of the women that was at the getaway she came up to me and she said I took this picture of the sunrise this morning. She said, it's incredible. And actually, she told me in the morning, she said, she said, I've got to show it to you. And later, I had to wait till later to see it. And when she showed me, I couldn't speak. Because if you look at this picture, there's a little heart in the sunrise right down by the shore. I'd never seen a sunrise like that before. She said, have you ever seen anything like that? And I was like, no, I've never seen anything like that. Because I knew that God was climbing in my pit, and he was saying, Sharon, let me write this story my own way. I know exactly where that heart is. It might seem like it's lost in the ocean to you, but my light is going to shine on that heart. It's going to fix that heart. It's going to cleanse that heart. Let me grow your life and write the story. I'm with you. I haven't forgotten about you. I brought the rock all the way to the Outer Banks in the sunrise for you. God wants to do it his own ways, lady. We just need to lean into his presence. There's so much about his presence. Obviously, I could go on and on about that. But there's a couple other things that I I know we need to talk about as well. You know, we lean into his righteousness too. Joseph's disasters weren't over when he got to Egypt. That was just the beginning, right? A few moments ago, we talked about Potiphar's wife tempting him. Joseph had risen to being the leader in Potiphar's household, but when he stood for righteousness that day, disaster landed him in a pit. See, just because we do what's right doesn't mean that life's going to go great for us. What did Jesus say? Blessed are those who are persecuted for righteousness' sake. I mean, look at Jesus himself. But chapter 39 goes on to describe it. I'm not going to read it all, but in verses 10 through 15, they'll be up here on the screen. But you can kind of just glance through that, and you see that Potiphar's wife, She, she is, she's a bad woman. And, and she, like, manipulates the whole situation and makes it look like Joseph had tried to rape her because he flees from her. Literally, she's grabbing at him, and, and his, his, his garment gets left in her hands. Poor guy. I mean, these garments, you know, for him. Once again, used against him. And she pleads rape. And so here comes disaster number three, because in verse 19 it says, Now it came about when his master heard the words of his wife, which she spoke to him, saying, This is what your slave did to me, that his anger burned. So Joseph's master took him and put him into the jail, the place where the king's prisoners were confined. And he was there in the jail. But I love what this is next. But the Lord was what, ladies? With Joseph, and he extended kindness to him, and he gave him favor in the sight of the chief jailer. The Lord was with Joseph. Joseph leaned into his presence, and he leaned into his righteousness. Now, you might say, I get the presence, but how do you know he leaned into his righteousness? Well, think about some of these things. He didn't make excuses for any kind of unrighteousness based on his troubles. A lot of times, that's what we do. When we're in the midst of a disaster, we make excuses. He could have done that with Potiphar's wife. I'm lonely. Look at all that I've been denied in my life. He could have done that. He didn't. He didn't seek after the other gods of Egypt like we talked about a few minutes ago. He could have sought another god. We do that all the time. Like retail therapy is our god sometimes, right? Or food, chocolate cake, whatever it is that we turn to a lot of times when we can't get the ooh that we need to in the moment. He didn't do that. We don't see him angry. We don't see him bitter. We see him working hard. We see him taking opportunities, pressing toward the dream that God had for him. Throughout his story, as you read it, he refers often to the God of heaven. Tomorrow night, we're going to talk about the name that he uses specifically for God. He knew this God, and he was leaning into him. And all of these things are signs of growing in righteousness, even though it would have been so easy for him to do otherwise. You know, following God's commands, following God's precepts, even when your life is in a pit... It's horrible and it's hard, but it is a sign of bravery. You're leaning in to trust God and believe what he said and do things his way even when it hurts. See, many people will veer away from righteousness when their life hurts. They make destructive choices during those seasons. They turn from God because they're angry because God won't fix it for them. Sometimes people make excuses like, I deserve a little fun, look what I've been through. or. It's all right for me to have a bad attitude. I'm going to say what I want. I've had a really hard day. Leave me alone. That's what people say. Maybe you say that. I've said it. Sometimes we adopt the attitude, once I get all this mess fixed out in my life, then I'm really going to follow Jesus. Can I just ask you, who's writing that story? What kind of growth is that? It's not a growth that comes from God. We're either going to grow with a growth that comes from God our growth that's in and of ourselves a natural fleshly growth if we want to grow with the growth that comes from god even in the midst of our disasters and ladies i'm not making fun of anybody's disasters i know some of you are hurting terribly tonight you have to lean into his presence he's with you you have to lean into his righteousness sometimes that's life or death for you always it is actually And you also lean into what he has said. You know, last night we talked about how God's favor is upon us in Christ and how that opens up relationship for us to be able to hear the dreams that he speaks to us. So once we hear those dreams, we got to know what God has said and we have to lean into what he has said. I believe some of the most growth-filled moments for our lives can be when we will use four little words, but God, you said. When your heart is breaking, you lean into God, and you remember what he said, and you say, but God, you said, right? When everything around you is messed up, you lean over this way, and you say, but God, you said. You lean toward him. When everything in your disaster is pulling you this way, and you feel like I I can barely hold on, you start leaning the other way and say, but God, you said, and look at my arms. Look what's happening. There's a stretching going on. And you know what happens in that stretching? Guess what's getting stretched? It's your faith. It grows, and you don't even know it. Every time you say, but God, you said, your faith is growing. It's coming alive in you and getting bigger in you. It refines you and tests you in those moments. And see, I want us to look in Psalm 105, because actually in the book of Psalms, they talk about Joseph. Psalm 105, verse 17. I'm going to read it quickly. It says, he sent a man before them, Joseph, who was sold as a slave. They afflicted his feet with fetters. He himself was laid in irons until the time that his word came to pass. The word of the Lord tested him. See, from the time that God spoke those dreams over Joseph's life when he was 17 years old till the time that they came to pass, and we haven't even gotten there yet. We'll do that tomorrow night. More than 20 years, this tells us in all that time, Joseph's, was being tested by that word. Now, that's not a test like, you failed. No, not like that. Like a test like a refining. Like a test like, let's see what's inside of you. Let's, let's purify you. This word from God refined him. But he had to know what it was, and he had to speak it over and over again. God, you said. I remember. All those nights he laid his head on the, pil- on the pillow or non-pillow. God, you said. You know, we already mentioned how disaster number three landed Joseph in another pit. This one, a prison pit. And while he was there, disaster number four happens. Because he helped another man uh, be delivered out of that pit. And he's thinking, oh, that's going to be my way out too. And guess what? That man, the cupbearer for Pharaoh, forgets all about him for another two years. In moments like that, ladies, when you've gotten your hopes up, it's so hard to lean in and say, but God, you said... I know you said, because that word seems to mock you. But if you'll do that, that you're, you're, you're getting to that place where that testing is bringing out beautiful, refined, pure faith in you. Faith is not for wimps, it is for the brave. And God will help us to be brave, ladies, in the midst of the disasters that we go through. In these pits, God will transform us. Someone once said a pit is a place of transformation or people in transformation, okay? If we'll lean in like we've talked about, God will transform us into moments of destiny, which we're going to talk about tomorrow night. But we're going to bring things to a close tonight. And I want to ask you to get out those bookmarks, okay? Probably wondering why were we so intense about you having them I haven't even mentioned them the whole time well here we go I want you to get these bookmarks out okay and I want to direct us into a time of leaning all right because a lot of us are going through some things I mean we could list things all night long of things that are disasters in our lives things that threaten the the dreams that God has over us and earlier tonight we asked some why questions and, and, and I asked you, let's stop asking those why questions and let's focus on the how. How do you grow with the growth that comes from God when your life hurts? How do you not jerk the pen out of his hand and say, let me just write it myself? How do you do that? And we've, and we've talked through that and we said the answer to doing that is leaning. But you know what, as we finish this out, if I had that block, I'd bring it right back up here and I'd say, let's talk about why again. Because I know in some of your hearts, you're going, why should I lean? Why should I lean? You need to lean because god is good that why question has an answer it's a solid firm answer he's not safe he's not safe and for some of us that's news when we've always thought of god as warm and fuzzy he's not always safe but he is good and his goodness goes beyond warm and fuzzy takes us to places we can't ever imagine the truth will tell you god is writing a beautiful story in your life and you got to lean into that you know we got these shirts this year and God literally gave us this design for the shirt we weren't planning on having a shirt he put this in our hearts and we literally scrambled to get something done kind of last minute but he gave us this design because see you got to believe that God is writing a story in your life and that it's beautiful before you can ever see the beauty that's why that's behind you and you know what this color that represents the favor of God on your and you have to believe that that you walk in that. You know when Joseph's first disaster happened, what 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 happened to the coat? His brothers ripped it off of him. He didn't have it anymore. You know, God might have allowed that chapter in his life, but it wasn't the last chapter in his story. God's too good for that and he's too good to let your disaster be the last chapter either. And I want to talk to you about how Joseph had to move into a new kind of leaning. So get your get your imagination, put your thinking cap on with me for a minute, like a teacher would say. You know how somebody puts a cloak on? If you, if you put your coat on in the morning, what do you do? You reach your arm here, you lean into that coat, right, to get it on and get it all snug. And don't you know that every morning that's what Joseph did. He put that coat on from his father, wrapped it around him. He felt so good. But what about the morning after disaster number one? There was no coat nothing for him to lean on he might have even been naked for all we know He had to learn how to do a new kind of leaning and to a new kind of father favor by faith he couldn't feel this coat he couldn't touch this coat he couldn't see this coat nobody else could see it but he could lean into it every morning noon and night as he knew and leaned into the presence of God the righteousness of God the Word of God leaning into the favor that God wanted him to walk in so tonight we want to invite you to come up and to participate in a time of prayer you've got those little cloths and you wrote your dreams on them last night if you weren't here last night we wrote our dreams on on the back of those cloths and some of you feel like the favor of god has been stripped right off of you 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 don't even know what's up what's down everything's in a mess in your life right now and, and you know what we want to ask you to do to enter into a time of prayer where you talk to the Lord about those disasters and you come up and you let it go just right here on the floor. We're just going to have old school altar time. You come up and you just pray and talk to the Lord about that disaster and you leave that thing on the floor but you talk to the Lord I'm going to lean into you anyway. Even though I can't see it it looks like everything's been stripped away from me. I don't have what would be the physical thing for me to see that you are for me. I'm going to believe it and I'm going to leave that here and let it go and I'm going to trust you. Some of us are not going through disasters right now. And so you might think, well, that prayer time's not for me. But you know what? You need to decide before your disaster. You need to prepare for the disaster that God, even if this X, Y, Z happened, I'm letting go of all that I see because I'm going to trust you by faith. And you need to talk to him about those things tonight. Leaning into his presence. God is with you. Leaning into his righteousness. For some of us, this prayer time needs to be about us leaning into his righteousness and saying, God, I've been leaning over here and making all kinds of excuses for it because of things that have happened to me. I need to know that I can have new life in you, and I'm going to lean into your presence and your righteousness and your words that you've spoken over me. And when you do that, ladies, you know what you can say in your soul? You can say it as well i don't understand i don't get it there's a lot of why questions that don't have an answer but i know how and i can say it as well because my god is good so we want to invite you to come our prayer uh, team is going to come and just be here if you want them to pray for you they can do that um, or, or you can come and just pray by yourself we just ask that you just leave those claws there if you mean it Right? If you're willing to let go and say, I'll lean into you, God, even when I can't see anything of this dream coming to be, because you're good, and I know it is well with my.